Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 15, The Serpent in the Garden. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. This is the show that teaches you the mysteries in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm here with Zena. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. And we appreciate everybody listening. I'm Scott Mitchell. And once again, uh, thanking all the listeners that have been joining us recently from the show we did, Coast to Coast, and the interview with George Nori and the crew for Coast to Coast for having us there. Uh, we appreciate all the support that you've given us and for subscribing. Yes, thank you for subscribing. So last week, Zena, we talked about the Tree of Life. We did, and we learned that the Tree of Life has a lot of she pronouns. That's right. We learned that wisdom is likened unto a woman, and that the Tree of Life uh, has wisdom. Yes. And the Tree of Life is like a her. It's like a she, mm-hmm. and when it grants this wisdom. And so we found out that there's wisdom, there's righteousness, there's truth, and we also saw it it's associated with living waters. Yes, and that it's also in the third heaven currently. That's right. And then when we talked about the Garden of Eden, we saw that there was a river where the garden was and the tree of life was there. Mm -hmm. In the end, when the third heaven comes down to the new earth, we see in the city of God, the throne of God, the tree of life, and the river. Yes. So it's very possible that that river that parted into the four heads in the Garden of Eden was actually the river of life that emanates from God's throne. Now, when we were looking at it earlier, the tree of life, and then there's four cherubs, do you think with the four cherubs and the four rivers, there's like a coincidence why there's four, four, four? It could have been. There's a, do you remember our interview with Ryan Peterson for the judgment of the Nephilim? Yes. And he kind of jokingly referred to the Jordan River as the Area 51 mm-hmm. of, the, of Israel. And uh, there seems to be a connection with angelic activity and rivers in the Bible. Yes. Where Ezekiel saw uh, angels, where uh, Daniel saw angels and visions were by rivers. Right, because I I made the question, does God communicate with us through rivers? Exactly. And I think there's a, Ryan put it as almost as though there's a portal, Mm -hmm. a a spiritual portal in some way, like a stargate almost. Yeah. And so that could very well be true. When um, Daniel is uh, seeing an angel by a river, it's the river Hidekel, which was one of the original rivers in the garden. Yeah. Right, from the garden. And uh, Ezekiel sees one by Kibar, and I haven't researched that one to see. It could have been one of those four. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could have been the Euphrates, or it could just be another river. But, um, yeah, rivers, water, there's a lot of spiritual things in water, you know, 
There's a reason why people say healing waters, you know, Very true. And things like that. Well, with all that being said, today we're going to talk about another thing was in the garden that wasn't such a good thing, and that's the serpent in the garden. Mr. Lucifer himself. Himself. He was there, and we're going to find out some things about him that most people probably don't realize. So let's go in the beginning again to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to learn something about serpents today. Remember last week we joked about uh, the image of Adam and Eve being two white people sitting mm-hmm. in front of an apple tree with a snake wrapped around it. Yes. Well, it was not a snake at all. So we'll start reading in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And that word I'm pronouncing, subtil, S-U-B-T-I-L. Some people want to say the word subtle. And you've heard of that word. Yes. It has a B in it, but we don't pronounce it. Mm -hmm. He's very subtle. You ever wonder why we don't pronounce the B? Yeah, I've always wondered that. So it's an interesting word. It it became to mean uh, like a soft, gentle way of approaching someone, a subtle touch, Mm -hmm. right? But the word sub, S-U-B, means under. You think of it like submarine. Yeah. Under the, you know, sub... Subliminal, yeah. yeah. Substitute. Substitute. A, a sub, something under. Well, till, the root of the word till is the word utility, or till is the root of utility. Mm-hmm. So you think of using the hand. Uh, utilize a tool, for example. Yeah. To till the ground with, with a tool. So sub-till, underhanded. Sneaky. Yeah. Deceptive. Somebody who's underhanded is sub-till. Not subtle. Yeah, definitely. Subtle not is a good subtle. thing. Subtle's bad. So he's more subtle than any beast of the field. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now God didn't say that, did he? No. He said you could eat of every tree but one. So here's the serpent trying to change the word of God a little bit, mm-hmm. reinterpret it, you know. And Eve was smart enough to say, No, that's not what he said. Verse 2, the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And, you know, she adds the thing about touching, but maybe Adam said, Don't even touch it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't even look at it. (laughs) I don't know what it was. But she accurately reflects what God actually said about not eating the fruit, Mm -hmm. because if we do, we'll die. Yeah. And then the, the devil turns around and just lies and says, nope, that's not the truth. That's not what's going to happen. Verse 4, the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the deception was he was trying to convince her that if you do eat it, you're going to be like we are. And by we, he means himself and this fallen angels, Mm -hmm. the gods. Okay. Not good gods. Not good gods at all. So as a result of eating the fruit, there was a pronouncement of a curse, several things. But when he comes to the serpent, it says in verse 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I think that's why people equate the serpent with a snake. Yeah. But that doesn't really fit because there are snakes that climb trees. Mm-hmm. There are snakes that swim in the water. Very true. Right? So not all snakes crawl on the, the dust, right? Mm-hmm. So it, we're going to see that this serpent is actually a dragon, and he's got other names too. 
but cursed above every beast of the field. Now, there's something about that term beast of the field. And we think of animals, and it's really a description of the animal kingdom. So you're cursed above any other animal. But the term is used in, in interesting ways. The serpent is counted among the beasts of the field, but there's two types of antichrist that are associated with beasts of the field. So we're going to explore that just for a moment because it ties back into the serpent. All right. So in other words, if the serpent is Lucifer, as you pointed out already, which is true, and the devil is behind the Antichrist, he empowers him as the dragon. Yeah. Then in everything we've seen about the Bible where nothing new under the sun, things mm -hmm. that have been will be again. Well, there are individuals that have lived in the past that are pictures of this coming Antichrist. Okay. And there's two in particular. First is King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon. Yes. And he was allowed to conquer Israel because of their wickedness. And God used him to punish them. But he thought he was just great. I had conquered them because I'm such a great king and I have such great glory, right? <laughs> and interestingly enough, Nebuchadnezzar, being a pagan king, actually wrote a chapter in the Bible. No way. He wrote Daniel chapter 4. And God used him to write this chapter, and there's a story in here. I won't read the, all of it, but I'm going to start the chapter in verse 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Now realize, he probably had a scribe write it for him because yeah. he's a king, you know, <laughs> but it's his words. Mm -hmm. So he says, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now he's saying all this after the fact. He didn't know who the high God was before this happened. So this is like him saying, let me tell you what happened to me and how I came to believe in the most high God. Yeah. Okay. He says uh, he had a dream and uh, Daniel was called in to interpret the dream. And he didn't understand the dream. And I won't go into all the, the image of the dream, but it, was, it had to do with a tree that grew in the earth, and it was cut down and a stump was left. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when he calls Daniel, who's a Jew, he's a, a man of God, a prophet, to interpret the dream, at first Daniel was like, he went into a stupor for I think it was uh, an hour or something. Um, and then he didn't speak for a little while. Um, when he finally responds... Yeah, he was, uh, verse 19, I'll read it this way. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, his Babylonian name, Daniel's easier to say, mm -hmm. he was astonished for one hour and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation, interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. In other words, this is not good news. This is a bad dream. When I give you this interpretation, it means there's something bad's about to happen to you. So he goes on and explains what it is, and he's basically saying, you're the tree, and you're going to be the one cut down. And what happened in the dream was the tree was placed in a field, and it grew feathers like an eagle and claws like an animal, and it ate grass for seven years in the stream. So uh, he's explaining what's going to happen. And so we come on down to where all this came upon the King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. 
The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? In other words, he's boasting. Yeah. I did all this. (laughs) While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as an oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will." The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men. He did eat grass as an oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And so God punished him for seven years. He ate grass like an animal in the field. Whoa. The king (laughs) of the world, the king over all the earth, the empire of the world at that time was Babylon. And it was to teach him a lesson. So he goes back to it and he writes this chapter after it was done, after the seven years were Oh, fulfilled. my goodness. He's like, humble yourself. And his arrogance of saying, haven't I done this by my hand? That's the picture of the heart of the Antichrist. Okay? And that he conquers the world and he thinks he's doing it. He doesn't oh know goodness. that God's allowing him to do this. Yeah. Right? Another type of Antichrist, and also another type of Satan and, and the serpent, is Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Okay. Right? So we go to the book of Ezekiel for that one. And we again, we won't read the whole chapter, but we're going to go to chapter 31. And we'll just get a synopsis of it. Ezekiel 31 is God telling Ezekiel to speak to Pharaoh and say, who do you think you are? You know, son of man, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom art thou like in thy greatness? And he goes on to describe somebody else. He says, you're like this person. He says, behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon with his fair branches and with a shadowing shroud and of a high stature. And his top was among the thick boughs, the waters and her rivers running round about his plants. Uh, the waters made him great. The deep set him up on high with her rivers running round about his plants and sent out her little rivers unto all the trees of the field. Therefore his height was exalted above all the trees of the field, and his boughs were multiplied, and his branches became long because of the multitude of waters when he shot forth. All the fowls of the heaven made their nests in his boughs, and under his branches did all the beasts of the field bring forth their young, and under his shadow dwelt all great nations. So he's a picture of another king, another ruler. Mm -hmm. It could have been one of those angels in the past. It could have been one of the giants that were the offspring of one of those angels of the past. Mm-hmm. But he's called an Assyrian, so it was in Assyria, which actually got absorbed in the Babylonian empire of Nebuchadnezzar. But he's saying, Pharaoh, you're like this. You're like this tree that shot himself up, and he was lifted up with pride. It's a picture of Lucifer. It's a picture of the same guy all along. Oh, my goodness. So he had nations under him. He was the king of Tyrus. He's got his type in Antichrist, who's going to be over all the nations of the earth in the future. Mm -hmm. And the beasts of the field are under them and forth. But God cut him down, cut him down to side, and he ends up down to size. And he ends up going into hell, into the pit. So this is another picture in type of somebody that Pharaoh is likened unto, and both associated with beasts of the field. So the idea is these kings rise up and they're so powerful that even the animal kingdom is subject unto them. 
Yeah. The idea is they're more subtle than all the beasts of the field. They're over they're in their type. Well, the serpent is described in several places in Scripture as a sign, a constellation in the heaven. Mm-hmm. So there's you're going to see a picture of the serpent everywhere in types of men as beasts of the field, and the serpent was one of them, but he was more subtle, more underhanded. <laughs> He's also described as a constellation in the heavens. We, for that, we go to the book of Job. Job has a lot of information about um, God's creation and, mm-hmm. and the stars and planets that we couldn't have known before telescopes. Now, why is it pronounced Job and not Job? You know, I'm not sure. I, I think it must be because it comes from its original Hebrew, and the, the O would have been long. Mm-hmm. So Job would have been the long O, I guess. But that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I guess you could say Job, too, and people would know who you're talking about. <laughs> right. But maybe because we say the word Job so frequently to talk about our work, mm-hmm. we say Job to differentiate it. Okay. Just to make, make sense of it, you know. But in the book of Job... <laughs> <laughs> Or Job 26, 13, he says, By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Now he's talking about the heavens, and there's a constellation called Draco, or Drago, and it's a serpent. It's one, you know, we think of constellations of the Zodiac, and we think of Libra and Sagittarius. But there's many other constellations than just the Zodiac, right? Mm -hmm. And Drago's one of them. There's something called Hydra. And it's another serpent, but the hydra had many heads in Greek mythology. Okay. Okay. So the crooked serpent is a sign in the constellation. A serpent is equated with poisonous words. You know, he speaks like a serpent, Mm, right? Okay. So let's look at a passage there. Psalm 58, you know, the tree of life is likened unto a woman in wisdom, but the serpent is likened unto bad words, poisonous words. Mm -hmm. Psalm 58, and notice verse 1. Do you indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do you judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart you work wickedness. You weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. He's talking about mankind. The wicked are estranged from the womb. In other words, they're born that way. (laughs) They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. An adder is a poisonous snake. Poisonous snakes are called pit vipers because they have these pits where they're, that store poison sacs in their cheeks. Mm-hmm. And they have the two fangs, and the fangs are hollow, and when they bite, they inject Ooh. from those poison sacs. Ow. So they're called pit vipers. That's the word viper. And an adder is a viper. Okay, And the deaf adder evidently can't hear. So I don't think any snakes can hear, but the idea was, uh, you've heard of a snake charmer playing a little flute, mm-hmm. and a snake comes out of a basket. Allegedly, they were charmed by the music, you know, to not strike and be violent. Evidently, the deaf adder wasn't charmed. Yeah. It just bites you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is it's like a poisonous serpent. Bad words or the words of the wicked are like a poisonous serpent, which is why Christ referred to the Pharisees as serpents and vipers. Their words were lies. They Mm -hmm. spoke lies. Another psalm, Psalm 140. Now, do you think this is why people assumed that the serpent in the Garden of Eden was a snake because of what they're reading in Psalms? 
that could be another reason too. And again, we're we're equating a serpent with um, a snake. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing here a serpent as a death adder, which is an actual snake. Mm-hmm. So it's true that snakes are serpents, but serpents is a category of more than just snakes, right? We're going to yeah. find there's an animal called Leviathan that is a serpent. Have you ever heard of that term? No. Leviathan. You're going to be fascinated to see this guy. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, of course, the dragon. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that shortly. But Psalm 140, verse 1 says, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. They've sharpened their tongues like a a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips, and an adder is a poisonous snake too. I think that's the one that killed Cleopatra. She committed suicide by sticking her hand in a basket. According to the tradition. Why would you want to do that? (laughs) Well, because her love, Mark Anthony, was killed or something. (laughs) I forget the reason why. Uh, But it had to do with love and death and romance and all that stuff. Romeo and Juliet. That's right. That's right. There's a serpent called a cockatrice. Have you ever heard of that word? No. cockatrice. Okay, let's look at that one. Now, this one gets interesting because it's it's uh, it's a flying serpent. Is it a chicken? Uh... Not a chicken, it's a actual, it's a, you think about dragons have wings. Mm-hmm. So it's called a fiery flying serpent. I think they're describing a dragon. You know. Why such a funny name? Um, there's a, it had to do with, a cock is actually a male bird, mm-hmm. not just chickens. So the rooster and the cock are the same animal. Yeah. Right? The hen is the female. Mm-hmm. And then chicks are the babies, right? So every Animal grouping, I think, can have a male and female name, like a sire and a dam mm-hmm. is one type of animal. Uh, you've got the, uh, uh, I forget what the lions are called. Is uh, it lioness? Yes, lion and lioness. Thank mm-hmm. you. I couldn't remember. Uh, and then like foxes, you know, they have their names. It, like, I, I'm always fascinated by the groupings of animals. Right. You know, did you know that, you know, you could say like um, a pride of lions is a bunch of lions, mm-hmm. you know. A pack of wolves, you've heard of that. Yes. But a grouping of crows is called a murder. <laughs> well, yeah, because they murder your ears. A murder of crows, you know. <laughs> uh, so a gaggle of geese, you know. Those words always <laughs> fascinated me. So a cockatrice is probably the idea that it's a male. Okay. Because it's like a rooster, which is the male of the birds. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in Isaiah 14, though, we're actually talking about something a little bit different than a bird. <laughs> and uh, we find it there in chapter 14, verse 29. It says, Rejoice not thou, whole Palestina, which is Palestine, the mm-hmm. land of where Israel is, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. And the one smiting them, the rod in his hand, it's an Assyrian. Okay, he's called the Assyrian oppressor. But he says, don't rejoice because the rod was broken. When he's going to be defeated, and it's really a picture of, of Babylon, mm-hmm. it says, for out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. So really, this is a prophecy of the Antichrist whose power comes from the serpent. Mm. The dragon. So fiery and flying serpent is the idea that Lucifer has wings. He's an angel. He's a cherub. But he's a dragon too. And he empowers 
the root or the fruit, if you will, of the of the Babylonian oppressor, the Assyrian oppressor, mm-hmm. which is the Antichrist. Okay. So he's going to be a man, but his power comes from the dragon. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. So these prophecies are really interesting mysteries. And then there's another serpent called Leviathan. I told you about him. Yes. Let's see Leviathan. This one's very interesting. Same book, Isaiah, but we go to chapter 27, and we start reading in verse 1. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. In that day, the day of God's vengeance, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. There's a dragon in the sea. You ever heard of sea serpents, sea monsters? Yes. Men probably did. I, I don't, you know, we talk about like Loch Ness monster, right? <laughs> Loch Ness. Well, what if there really is a sea serpent and it's this Leviathan? Now, there, this is probably a picture of the sea as in humanity, the nations. Mm-hmm. And Leviathan, the crooked serpent, is... Satan, the dragon. Yeah. And he comes up out of the sea in the book of Revelation. So it could be there's an actual animal that's his picture and type. Mm-hmm. And we just, nobody's ever seen it except, you know, everybody who says they've seen a sea monster is called a kook. Right. right? <clears throat> or, but maybe there really is something there, you know. And he's really an animal that's prehistoric, if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he breathes fire. And the book of Job describes him in great detail. That's just one verse here in Isaiah. Job devotes an entire chapter to him. And you've never seen this animal anywhere on earth. No. We talk about, um, and, and on the Coast to Coast show, they talk a lot about cryptozoology, which means secret or hidden animals, you know, mm-hmm. Bigfoot, Chupacabra, right. Right? all those kind of things, uh-huh. right? Well, um, this is certainly one, Loch Ness, you know, but I don't think this is the Loch Ness monster. And let's read a bit of this. It's 34 verses, so we won't read the whole thing. Okay. But Job chapter 41, verse 1, canst thou, and this is God speaking still. Okay. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook 
or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down. In other words, do you think you can catch Leviathan like you fish for other fish? Mm -hmm. Canst thou put a hook into his nose or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Will thou take him for a servant forever? Will thou play with him as with a bird? Or will thou bind him for thy maidens? Now, is you going to put him in a little cage and let your little girls play with him? <laughs> <laughs> So weird. This is whatever this thing. He says, can you, at verse 7, canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? As though he's so thick you can't even pierce him. Now, people want to try to interpret the Bible based on what they think they know, you know, scholars and whatnot. And they've come up with, it's a hippopotamus, it's a crocodile. You know, those animals don't match any of this description. <laughs> it says... Um, None is so fierce that dare stir him up. Mm -hmm. Who then is able to stand before me? So God is basically saying to Job, look, I made an animal so fierce that nobody can tame him, catch him, or kill him. Who's going to stand before me? And he's not just describing an animal. It's a type of Satan. It's a type of Lucifer here. So he says, um, verse 14, who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a close seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They're joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered or separated. And then it says, by his niecings, a light doth shine. Niecings is a word we don't use anymore. What does that mean? It sneeze. Oh. In other words, he breathes fire. His niecings, a light doth shine, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth goeth burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke, as out of a seething pot or cauldron. So niecings is almost like, it's like flames are coming out of his nose, mm -hmm. and then he, then he burns like a dragon out of his mouth. Fire-breathing dragons are real, according to the Bible. They're not mythology. And they live... In lakes. Yeah, and he lives in the in the water here, in the in mm -hmm. the sea, as a matter of fact. It says his heart is as firm as a stone, yea, as hard as a piece of the nether millstone. And then it goes on to talk about men can't kill him, they can't kill him with a sword or with uh with uh, daggers or darts. And then he closes and he says, um, verse 31, he maketh the deep to boil like a pot, he maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Think of, he's just boiling water all around him because he's got these flames. Mm -hmm. He maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary. Hoary means like covered in snow, white. So when you think of boiling water and it's like foaming white at the top, mm -hmm. you, know, you ever boil spaghetti and the water yeah. <laughs> and all the, the foam comes out? That's hoary. Upon earth there is not his like who is made without fear. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. And this is really a picture of Lucifer. But he's a dragon. Mm -hmm. Leviathan is a dragon. And I know for a fact that he has more than one head. Look in Psalm 74. We'll go back to the Psalms. Chapter 74, or the 74th Psalm to be correct. And verse 12 says, For, my, for God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength, Red Sea parting with Moses. Mm -hmm. Thou breakest 
the heads of the dragons in the waters, just like you said, thou breakest the heads, plural, of Leviathan in pieces, and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Now, there's a, that passage is referring to something that's going to take place in a very interesting thing going on in the tribulation period. The, the saints of God flee into the wilderness when the devil comes down, mm -hmm. and he goes after them. And uh, he sends a flood after them, and this flood has something to do with his fallen angels going after them, and the earth opens up and swallows them up to protect the Israel of God from the dragon. So there's an interesting thing about breaking the heads and whatever, but um, there's so much that I don't yet understand about all that, but there's so much that's so cool about it. Yeah. With Leviathan and the dragon and the heads, multiple heads. And then when we go to Psalm uh, 104, verse 24, we read, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hath thou made them all. And she was a woman. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are all things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships mm -hmm. in the sea. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. <laughs> he plays in the sea. So it seems to me that there's an actual animal somewhere, a multi-headed sea serpent, dragon, that we, nobody's ever seen, evidently, except God. Uh, and he's able to hide himself from him, but he's a picture of Lucifer. He's a picture of the king of pride, right? Yeah. And he's a picture of Satan in his political power when he finally comes down to the earth. Mm -hmm. And it's all like Nebuchadnezzar, like Pharaoh, all the types are there yeah. to show us who the serpent truly is. Now, back to the thing about vipers, which are snakes, but they're poisonous. And we've talked about the serpent, the poison of serpents in, in words and mm -hmm. people things say, well, the only time that Jesus ever insulted anybody with, with names wasn't just him being insulting. He was calling men vipers because they were the children of the devil. All right. And I don't mean physical children. So like in Matthew chapter three, for example, we see in verse seven, but when he saw many, oh, I'm sorry, this is John, John the Baptist, okay. right before Jesus shows up. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, because John baptized in the Jordan River, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They came out to where John was, not because they wanted to repent and be baptized, but because they, they wanted to see what they could do to stop him or trick him or trap him. Mm -hmm. And he knows who they are. So he calls them a generation of vipers. And he says, bring therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. In other words, they think their lineage through Abraham made them great. Yeah. <clears throat> for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And he's talking about specific stones that were in that Jordan River that Joshua and the children of Israel put these stones in the water because not only did God part the Red Sea, he parted the Jordan River too mm -hmm. to allow the children of Israel to cross over into the land. And after they got on the other side, Joshua was instructed to make a memorial to that event. And they put 12 huge stones, one for each tribe of Israel, and they're still in the water to this day. And so when he says, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham, 
I think there's something about that. Yeah. I can't prove it, but I think the 144,000 are going to be born from those stones in the time of tribulation. Okay. I, I could be way off on that. <laughs> but, but then he closes and he says, Now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down or cut down and cast into the fire. And we talked about trees lifting themselves up with like Pharaoh and the tree of the mm -hmm. Assyrian cedar. So uh, there's something about trees being types of lofty men, men who think they're great, like the global elites that are trying to ruin the world right now. Very true. God's going to cut them down. They have no idea what's coming, you know. Uh, Matthew chapter 12 is when Christ was speaking. Now, okay. we'll get to the right one. And uh, he also used the term in verse 33. He said, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Trees factor in a lot in the Bible and the teachings. Right. You know, and he said, if it's not a good tree, like the tree of life, it's a bad tree, like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm going to cut it down. Now, what do trees symbolize? Rulers. Okay. And in the case of the Bible, bad rulers that are lofty and filled with pride. So just as Satan is a type in, uh, he's the adversary. He's the accuser of the brethren. He has many names. Mm -hmm. He's the serpent. He's the dragon. He's um, the devil. He's uh, the god of this world. And he's got types in uh, men like Nebuchadnezzar, like Pharaoh. Uh, and he's got types in trees. Some trees that lifted themselves up, you know. Mm -hmm. And the cedar of Lebanon is the type of him in his pride. And so um, that's what Christ was referring to when he said, make the tree good and the fruit good or make it corrupt. Because he's kind of letting Israel know, if you're not going to believe on me, you're part of a corrupt tree. And then this religious leadership, these Pharisees and Sadducees that are ultimately the ones that accused him and had him crucified, he says this to them in verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. They're a corrupt tree with corrupt fruit. There's nothing good about these men. Yeah. Because they were of their father, the devil, and the works of their father they would do. And that's what he said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 33. He said, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Mm -hmm. So their damnation was set. They, they were just like something about them in the way they aligned themselves with the serpent. They were never going to be able to be saved because they would not believe on him. They knew who he was. So we come to, the, to close the podcast today, and we're going to talk about the serpent in the end times. When he appears, finally, and, and when he's ultimately destroyed. Yes. So we'll go to the book of Amos to start with. Amos chapter 5. That does not look like it would say Amos. Right. It's Amos. Amos. <laughs> and uh, it's chapter 5, verse 18. And it's the context is the tribulation period. And it's also known as the day of the Lord. Okay. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. In other words, there's nothing good about what's coming. The mm -hmm. wrath of God is coming. And he says, it's as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. 
<laughs> Can you imagine? You're running away from a lion and you escape into a cave where there's a bear. <laughs> You're like, oh no, they cannot get any better. And then he says, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Like you got away from the lion and the bear. And you put your hand on the wall. And <laughs> You're like, my goodness. And so he says, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it. So it's a time in which... You know, this analogy is here as though you're going to go from bad to worse, like out of the frying pan into the fire. But interesting, he chose a lion, a bear, and a serpent. Mm -hmm. Now, you might remember, and we're going to do an episode about four kingdoms. And we talked about Nebuchadnezzar. And there was a vision that he had of an image. And remember that image with the head of gold and the silver yes. and the brass and the iron legs? Mm -hmm. was a picture of four world kingdoms was... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was Babylon. He was the head of gold. Then we had Persia. Then we had Greece. Then we had Rome. Mm -hmm. In another vision, he had a dream where the same four kingdoms were like four different animals. And the first was like a lion. The second, like a bear. The third, like a leopard with wings, which was Greece. And the fourth, an exceeding dreadful and terrible animal that's not described there in that book in Daniel, but it's described later in the book of Revelation, and it's the dragon. The exceeding dreadful and terrible beast was the seven-headed dragon, which is the serpent. Mm -hmm. So as if a man did flee from a lion, Babylon, and a bear met him, Persia, went into the house and a serpent bit him. It's like the kingdom's. It's like he's laying out, there's a picture in type there of the final culmination of these four world kingdoms presided over by wicked global elites that are controlled by fallen angels. And when the dragon comes, the serpent, he's going to bite. You know, it's going to be the, it's going to be the world is going to go through this time mm -hmm. and it's the day of the Lord. All right. He's controlling it all, but the dragon thinks it's his doing. Right. Like Nebuchadnezzar thought it was his, mm -hmm. who was punished to give the heart of a beast for seven years. I know. And ate grass in the field. <laughs> <clears throat> so then we go to Revelation chapter 12. Now, this is, we've already talked about the war in heaven, and we're not going to go through that again. But we're going to talk about, we're going to remind our listeners about the verse when there is that war. And it says in verse 9 that the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we know the devil is the serpent. We know the serpent is a dragon. Putting it all together, the serpent in the garden was this dragon. Mm -hmm. It was the devil in a picture. Maybe he was in the body of Leviathan, you know, for all we know. Maybe. Maybe he was another form. But this particular dragon here, back in verse um, 3, Appears as a wonder in heaven. And remember, there's a constellation. Yeah. So are you but, saying um, Lucifer can shapeshift? He seems to have the ability to change his form, or it's the Bible describing him from different aspects. Okay. So it could be one or the other or both. Okay. Right? That's a good point. So uh, when he appears as a wonder in heaven, it says there appeared a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. So that's this dragon that appears there, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, in uh, Revelation chapter 20, that's when the Lord comes back, Jesus Christ, and he destroys the Antichrist. 
but the power behind him is the dragon. Mm -hmm. So there is an angel <laughs> prepared by God whose job it is when Jesus comes back to grab Leviathan, the serpent, mm -hmm. Satan, and wrap him in a chain. I want to show you this guy in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. It says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. That's twice he describes him that way. Mm -hmm. And bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up with a seal, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I used to read that and think, you caught him. Why would you let him go? Right? Like, wasn't that the whole point? <laughs> exactly. But you think about who wants to meet the devil in a dark alley. Right? Not I. Who would like to meet a seven-headed dragon in a, in a dark right? alley and come face to face with Leviathan? But I say, who would like to meet this angel? Imagine what he must look like. If his job is to grab the dragon and wrap him in a chain. Yeah, must be a big angel. <laughs> I bet he's a, and he has the key to the bottomless pit. So we know in that bottomless pit are those fallen angels that took the daughters of men. Mm -hmm. And who knows what else. So this guy is a bad dude. This he's angel. A scary one. Yeah. So what we know then is right now the serpent has control of the kingdoms of the world. Mm -hmm. But he wants the kingdom of heaven. He wants what he had. Lucifer wants his throne back, okay? So we're going to talk about next week, next episode, those four kingdoms plus the coming kingdom, which is Christ's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about five kingdoms next week and why the serpent wants that throne so bad. Right? Like you had, you were, he, he was the God over earth. Like why do you want more? Yeah, well, see, it wasn't enough for him. Remember, he wanted to be like God. Mm -hmm. He wanted to take over God's throne. So we're going to find out that God said, yeah, we'll see about that. Greed is the root <laughs> of all evil. That's right. So thank you for listening today. We appreciate y'all being here. Thank you, Zena. Thank you for having me. As always. And if you guys enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share, and then leave a comment down below something new that you've learned. And this episode may be airing about the time of the Christmas season, so we wish you all a very happy holiday and Merry Christmas as well. Stay safe out there, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.